everybody welcome to the 228th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here in beaverton are you excited for the top shot fever that you're gonna get when you get that pack in a week and a half are you excited for that it's been a very big weekend for your boy uh not only has the weather been nice so we were out and about. We went to the nursery. We did a lot of yard work. We planted it today. Uh, it just looks so much nicer. It already looked pretty good, but I'm just like pretty like one of those like proud papas when it comes to the front lawn. And, it, and it's looking exquisite. You got your so, hand kill on. Yes, exactly. I am happy about that. And I also secured my first Top Shot pack. It was a pre-order and a lot of people got it. So I'm sure I'm I remember my first beer. So I'm sure I'm probably going to get like three chem birches, but for nine seventy eight with tax, you might hit something good. You know, I'm pl- taking the long approach with this, building my moments through packs, and if a market drops, maybe buy a, a singular moment here or there. But you know, this may fall on its face; it may be the next big wave. But it's it's something to do, and it's something I know. Like we know mm-hmm. sports, we know basketball. Um, it's kind of fun to get on, get in on it. And to be honest, what really caused me to go, go in on it and actually purchase, purchase a pack was I saw CJ McCollum talking about this. And I really think he's one of the smartest players in the entire NBA. He's always up on everything. He was one of the first players to be like, okay, I'm taking this coronavirus shit seriously. He's launched his own, uh, wine label. Um, he is just smart as hell. And when I saw him tweet about it, I was like, okay, like if, if you can get, and then more NBA players started to pick mm-hmm. up on it, open their own packs. It's officially licensed by the NBA and the players association. So that gives it credibility in itself. And I don't think physical, physical cards will ever go away. This is just a digital version, maybe more fluid liquid where you can just move them uh, here or there uh, really quickly. So um, I'm pretty excited to open that. And then I also just completed my first PSA submission for a bunch of my cards that I had growing up. So going to send those in, wait eight months, hopefully they come back. And I've been doing a lot of research, seeing the value, how it can increase when mm. they get eight, nine, 10 grades and they look pretty good. So, you know, we'll see. And again, it's something that, you know, maybe I sell right away or I hang on to and you got a nice little investment, but pretty productive weekend for myself. Um, I know we've been talking about Top Shot uh, through the text all weekend. Every day, dude. every day. Um, I, I started about early January, I think is when I uh, wrote in and said, you know, I, I want to create an account. Um, I, I think I bought in four packs and you know, got got a Tyler Hero, got a Steph Curry, sold the Hero, realized that that Hero is now worth 300% of what I sold it for. Doesn't feel great, but at least I had the 325. I heard the best DFS play, per, player in the world, Awesomeo, and he's probably won like 3 million every year off of his basketball knowledge. He started talking about it, and I was like, 
this dude is on top of all of the commodities that are in tune to basketball. Top shot might be something I need to take a look at. And then I got my first pack and I was like, oh, okay. I fuck with this. I fuck with this yeah, a lot. I, I still don't completely get it, but I fuck with it. Yeah, that's exactly. My... You don't need you don't need to you don't need to know everything about a subject to fuck with it. Like there's plenty of things that you just as long fan as of there is a pool of other people who are interested in it, that's good enough for me. Yeah, like it, it's a I am having fun with it. I'm checking the, the 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 commodities and checking top shot. I joked with my mom that I am now the Chinese mom's dream. I'm a stockbroker. <laughs> but time yeah, to update so, that LinkedIn profile. Right. Oh, I should. I should say Top Shot Trader in my LinkedIn. I'll endorse you. Dude, because it's shit. Being, being a communications major isn't doing much for me right now. So maybe I need to switch it up and just say Top Shot Broker. I can use the word standard deviation and I know what it means. So give me your money, people. Got to get in where you fit in. Damn right. <laughs> well it has it, it was a, it was been a great weekend for for the both of us it sounds like it was not a great week for our trailblazer sage uh they go zero and three on this dreaded road trip uh losing to the phoenix suns in blowout fashion 132 to 100 uh the next night it came down to the wire they just did not have enough gas losing 106 111 to the denver nuggets and then Friday, after a strong first half, the wheels kind of fell off, and the 102-93 score really wasn't indicative of how, how easily the Lakers handled this game and put us away. The loss dropped Portland to 18-14 and 14 in the Western Conference. They are sixth in the West at the moment, which is okay. You don't want to be seventh. You don't want to be eighth. You want no part of that playing tournament. So right now, we're still ahead of Denver and Golden State, and we're nipping on the Spurs' heels. Sage, what did you see over this this week of Blazer basketball that's you know concerning, uh, maybe not to worry about as much, or do you kind of just chalk it up as it's just three games out of 72? What do you take from it? The Suns game, I really can't. I feel like they were just so hot that it was, we and we weren't. So they were, that loss doesn't, like I don't even really factor that one in. The Nuggets won. It was Jamal Murray's fourth quarter. He had like 18 points in that quarter. It wasn't much of a factor in the first three. You see a ceiling performance from Jamal, who absolutely has it in him to do it every every night. He just chooses. He just isn't that aggression. Doesn't have the aggression for it every night. But he did in the fourth quarter of that particular game. And uh, the Lakers won. You look at what they did in the past and they were struggling against bad teams and then we played against them and they looked pretty pretty dominant. The thing that worried me the most was Damian Lillard playing the entire fourth quarter when it was pretty certain we were going to lose that game because I get it. You start him in the fourth quarter because if he's out for his regular rotation minutes in the fourth quarter, we definitely lose it. So having him in to start the fourth, but when the 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 battle is basically over, I don't think it was Dame to be in when he is dealing with an ankle problem and we're not going to win. So that was what was concerning to me. But, you know, I, I don't want to put any extra thought process into those losses because I think two out of the three are explainable. 
injury to Dame on the Lakers and then Jamal Murray ceiling. But I know you had some uh, more uh, opinions about this game, these two games, or maybe these three games. How do, how do you feel about it? I mean, even including the Washington game, I, I feel like the Blazers, they've lost four in a row. I, I think even with their current state of the roster, they they should have won. They could have easily won three of these four games. Um, you, you look, we've already touched on the Wizards last podcast. And they um, won five straight after it. So they, they're playing better basketball than what they are. But, yeah. but I think... And even a B performance from the Blazers gets it done. We had 31 combined points in the second and fourth quarters. Uh, that's not going to get it done. And you look at the Phoenix game. Uh, Phoenix was probably the hottest team at the time. Uh, we don't have our secondary playmaker in CJ McCollum. We kind of hung around with them for a half. They, they the third quarter. Yeah, 37 to 17. Uh, I thought our defensive strategy was really good on Chris Paul. Uh, that's what makes that loss sting a little bit is because I went into that thinking Paul would dominate. He ends up one of nine shooting two points and nine assists. However, everyone else on Phoenix stepped up. Um, Devin Booker at 34 really set the tone with how easy he was able to operate. And then it kind of um, just kind of snowballed from there because Phoenix was able to swing the ball around. They shot 16 of 33 from downtown. Um, that's just an, an astronomical percentage. And that's the reason we gave up 132 points. Uh, we just played really bad defense. Uh, Ennis Cantor against Aiton is a bad matchup. Aiton's just so athletic that they would just throw it up higher than Ennis. Uh, so that's a game where you miss Nurkic. Um, so I, I, Phoenix loss is totally explainable. You play 72 games, you're going to get blown out uh, once, once in a while. You look at Denver, and I, I know everyone is going to say, Sage, oh, it's the Denver Nuggets. It's the second night of a back-to-back. We have a really poor winning percentage in the Mile High City. All of that makes sense. Denver was also on the second night of a back-to-back. Denver is also uh, – they're just 9-7 and seven at home, and that includes the victory over the Trailblazers. So they are not dominant at home like they, they once were. And they were missing so many starters. Uh, Jamal Murray was absolutely ice cold until that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blazers just couldn't muster up enough consistent offense. Carmelo had it rolling in the first half. Dame got to the um, hit a few threes, but nine of 21 overall. Like it felt like we just let that there. Uh, they got hot over the last five minutes. We went cold you lose by five, you, you're kind of kicking yourself for not picking up a divisional win over the Denver Nuggets. What do you think the deal was with uh, Joker and Ennis? Because it did not feel like normal. No, it didn't. I mean, I, I see where Ennis is coming from. Jokic is just a barrel of a man. He doesn't look in shape, but he's strong as an ox. And he's consistently like backing him down. And Ennis hasn't been a flop. He's never been a flopper. He'll never be accused of being a flopper. However, he may have needed to flop one or two times to get the officials' attention because there was a lot of contact, and it, it, I mean, it's consistent. They were running the offense through Jokic, and it was bang, bang, bang. I mean, that's body-to-body contact, and when you're playing 35 minutes and you're the only center and you can't pick up any fouls because we don't have Harry Giles or Yusuf Nurkic, 
Um, I think Ennis just kind of got tired of the contact and, and Jokic is very subtle and smart in how he utilizes his elbows and his arms to gain leverage. Now, this is a player who we all watch. He's not really athletic. He's not really quick, but he creates space to get his shots off. And those are ways he does it. He's very smart. He's like a Chris Paul. He's like a John Stockton. He just knows the, the, the tricks of the trade at a very young age. And he's a superstar. He's going to get that treatment. And I think Ennis probably had enough of it. And he's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why am I not getting any calls here? And this guy's just beating the shit out of me every time down the court. You know, sooner or later, you're going to take your your ball and you're going to throw it at him. And, and you know, you've had enough. Yeah, like, <clears throat> that just, that's not a normal, that's not normal big on big violence, man. It got it got to a point where I was like, oh, okay, this this is different. This is a much different than, let's say, uh, you know, an Anthony Davis versus Carl Anthony Towns or whatever. This is like these two these two big people are, you know, jockeying for everything here. It, it was it was different, but I think that Murray that Murray fourth quarter was the difference in that game. It wasn't like. I could I could take it if it was Joker because he was just so dominant through all forty eight. Jamal was wasn't Jamal having some shoulder issues and he then was from, and he was pretty cold in the first half. Ceiling games happen. He is the streakiest player in the NBA. Like if he if he gets hot, he's gonna stay hot. So yeah, like ew, it it was a tough loss, but it's ex- like a Jamal Murray ceiling quarter saved the Nuggets from a loss. And then us regressing. Absolutely. And so there's a, a few topics that I, I I think we should discuss about why those losses happened. And I think that the first one really goes to where's the help. Um, Damian Lillard can only do so much for so long. And when we were winning those six straight games, you saw players like Gary Trent, Amphrey Simons, Robert Covington, Carmelo had a few big nights. He literally got no help over this, this, this week's slate of games. I mean, you look at Gary Trent Jr., who we were all talking about major contract extension. What are we going to do with him and CJ? Like really putting him into our future plans. And I'm not saying that this three-game streak uh, derails any of those, but it also goes to show that he still is a third-year player and he went ice cold, nine of 44 over the three games, nine of th- or 19 of 44, excuse me, nine of 34 from downtown, three total assists, five total rebounds. So the same issues we have had with CJ McCollum in the past, not getting Gary those. Like, yes, Gary Trent is now that He's same player. If, if he is not scoring, what is he doing? Um, he The defense wasn't there. The additional stats weren't there. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't hitting his threes. It was like he wasn't out on the floor. Uh, and he, he was taking volume shots too. So, you know, Gary Trent at his best is what prime Ray Allen, Gary Trent at his worst. We saw Dion waiters out there and, and so that's what we got. How do you feel about the, the, the shot attempts per game when he wasn't hitting, do you feel like he should pass that one out or do you want him to continue taking those shots? I mean, this goes to another point that, that, you know, we wanted to talk about is, you know, how do the Blazers go from winning six straight and then losing four straight? Um, We've talked about the defense. The defense is going to continue to be an issue. 
Um, I don't think anybody is ever going to mistake the Blazers for, you know, a defensive stalwart. They're not the However, Detroit Pistons of 04. Exactly. The offense is something that we at least thought the Blazers would be able to carry on a nightly basis. Um, the offensive rating this year is eighth in the in the NBA. So, you know, your top 10 there. Points per game, you're at 114. You're, you're right at 10th. And this is without CJ and Yurk. So factor those players being gone for, you know, six weeks, those are really strong numbers to have. However, when I take a look back at what I saw during that six game win streak, and now during this four game losing streak is you can really see the mantra of the Blazers just laid out on the table in full transparency. It's live by the three, die by the three. And it's not even the fact that it's by the three-point shot. It's the types of three-point shot sage that the Portland Trailblazers are getting. It's a lot of quick, contested shots uh, off of one pass, sometimes off of no passes at all. Um, you've got players other than Damian Lillard just trying to isolate the, the defense and pull up. Um, we're taking really terrible shots that do not allow the defense to feel our, our presence at all. We are letting them off the hook multiple times uh, over the course of the game. And so to your question about Gary Trent Jr., I want him to shoot with CJ Nurkic gone he has to take for, the the usage. T- for the time being. He has to be second in usage, maybe third behind Ennis because Ennis is the garbage man. Mm. He, he gets a lot of FGAs. But what I don't want to see is a, I don't think Gary's there in terms of dancing with the basketball. Yeah, the he is not, yeah. And I, I really don't love it too much. I like to see a lot of ball movement. I like seeing when Gary was in the bubble and when he was flowing, it was off of dribble penetration, swinging the ball around the perimeter. He is a marksman when he is just, you know, catching and shooting, you know, he's, he's good. If he wants to put the ball on the floor, you know, jump stop and hit that mid range shot, which we have seen him do consistently. But Gary Trent Jr. Wasn't the only culprit of this. It was just a lot of bad decision-making from the Portland trailblazers. Our, Our shot selection was absolutely atrocious. Um, so it wasn't just that we were shooting a ton of threes. It was that we were taking bad threes. There's a huge difference, Sage, between a good three and a bad three. And we took our lion's share of bad three-point attempts. And I think that's why you saw the results that that you saw. 100 points versus Phoenix, 106 versus Denver, 93 against the Lakers without Anthony Davis. A, a putrid. That's abysmal. But that's what's going to happen when you are last in the league in assists and you rely on Damian Lillard to try and create for everyone. If a team decides, Hey, we're going to take the ball out of Dame's hands. We've seen this script over and over again. Sage, we we know how it's going to play out. It's not good. If you're a Blazer fan. I think that most of the issues dealing with the Blazers offense right now is due to one player being able to drive to the paint and create things for other players and that's Damian Lillard in the times where our offense is the worst where we're not even attempting to drive to the lane to create any reaction from the defense is when we look the worst and that's normally when the young the young boys are uh handling the ball and taking care of all the creation it's like in those six games I don't personally think Anthony Simons is the greatest player in terms of winning his one-on-one creation matchups, 
But at least in those six games, he tried and forced the defense to react. In the four games that we lost, it's like he's not even attempting to break down the defense. You're 100% right. He was 4 of 14 in three games. All of his makes were from downtown. He had 14. He had 12 total points in three games. Every field goal was a three. He did not get to the foul line once. Um, he's another player where you got help. You didn't get help. And then. Yeah, I mean, we were hot those six games and we're cold these four. Is But you talk about the quality of shots. And I think that all of this would be minimized if we had a second creator that can either drive to the line, get some easy free throws, or dribble well enough to force the opposing team to have to break down their defense to stop that one person. Now that we don't have that second person at all, and Gary Trent's learning, but he's only he's only averaging three drives to the lane. Like I make a point of tweeting every time he's driving, because it it like that puts pressure on the defense. Him doing his dribble move step back, where only one player is involved in this defensive possession, isn't bending the defense. If it goes in, that's great. But if it doesn't, that defense didn't put in that much effort in that uh, defensive possess- possession. So I think I mean, that all of the problems really stem from one creator. And when that one creator's out, we don't really have an answer to for for in every every team you look at, like who who's the best offense in the league right now? Brooklyn? I I would say even throw just throw statistics out the door. If you got Harden, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, that's gonna be the best offense. So okay. But if Joe, if if Harden's running the one, and he doesn't break down his per- player, and that player can, st- if Lou Dort doesn't get broken down on that singular possession, and James Harden can't get past him, that's a bad offensive possession, and they have the best offense ever potentially. But if they can't win that one-on-one creation matchup to start that offensive play, ain't shit happening. Thank God, James Harden can win complex and can win easy. And when he wins complex, that defender is out of the play and it's four on five and the Nets have a very positive uh, chance at scoring. So I think that every bit of our offensive, uh, lack of offensive firepower at times is because of our lack of creation and our lack of one-on-one players that can beat beat their defender one-on-one. Because it seems like right now we're not even trying in certain rotations to beat that player one-on-one. It's dribble, 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 shoot, or pass to Mellon, watch him post up and hope that that turnaround goes in. So it's not a really good offense, but it, I, I don't know where to play. I think it's a blame on everybody. Like We need somebody that can go to the lane and create something. There's players like Saban Lee on Detroit that's driving 25 times a game, and we can't muster up our go- like our guards outside of Dame can't make up what Staben Lee does to the driving to lane. So there's a I think the major problem with our offense is that there's one creator that can bend the defense. Well, we're, we're seeing the value of CJ McCollum as the the comp as the competition uh, increases. You need more of those playmakers. We're able to beat the teams like Cleveland. We're just a good matchup with Philadelphia, but the Orlando's of the world, like you know, we can. 
we can win against middle of the road and bottom tier teams. But once the competition starts to stiffen up, we have a hard time at winning consistently with, with the roster we currently have and the style of play that is currently employed. Um, we, we just, we just need more, more outlets, more help. And so in your example with James Harden, another point that I could make is, okay, let's say Dort stops him for five or six seconds. Harden could just pass it pass to it Kevin is. Grant or Kyrie Irving and they can break down the defender. You don't have four all world defenders on mm. a single team. You're lucky if you got one. Yeah. So Portland is, is missing a, a lot of firepower. Um, and Nurkic sets up a lot of offense himself, but by his passing, you can see over every defense and pick out the right, the cutter and for, for an easy dunk. So we're missing our second and third best creator on the roster. So we're really relying on Dame to do literally everything for us. And as we saw in that Laker game, when he got hurt, everything got harder. We couldn't win any one-on-one matchups to create any advantage. And that's, I think that's why we lost. So we just, the, the, the Lakers got twos whenever the hell we want, they wanted. And we couldn't, because we couldn't win that one, that, that, that creation matchup. Yeah. We just don't have many counters and the counters that we do have are very high variance. Uh, Who's our second best driver right now? Rodney Hood? Probably. Yeah. So. And you know, he, you look, you know, he's he's recovering from a Achilles injury, and he's driving two times a game to the hoop. I'm really hyped. I'm ecstatic that Anthony Simons is in the dunk contest. Maybe he'll get used to like, maybe he'll get a rep by winning the dunk contest, and then people will be scared of the drives because, goddamn, when he's in, we're hoping that the shots go in, not putting pressure on the defense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's right now it's, it's Dame. It's maybe drive and kick to a guy like Gary Trent, um, maybe pick and roll with Ennis. And then in the second unit, it's give the ball to Carmelo and hope the best happens. And Carmelo did not have a strong week. He had uh, he had a good first half against Denver ended up with 24 points on nine of 17 shooting but it was basically no shows against the Lakers, four points, two of seven from the field and Phoenix, 10 points, four of nine from the field. What I find interesting about Carmelo and it goes back to the creation is he took seven, three pointers over this three game span. And all of those threes came in one game against Denver. He did not attempt a single three against the Lakers or the Suns, And we have all seen Carmelo for a season and a half. He is the most deadly when it's catch and shoot from downtown off of ball movement, off of dribble penetration, momentum threes, like we saw in that Sixers game at home, it, he just wasn't able to get those shots off. And so you start to chip away Portland's other options. It's going to result in, in these really subpar offensive outbursts, which lead to losses. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a time, like if we're really serious about winning for Damian Lillard, it might be time to bring in a guard that can break down a defense a little bit, or I know, I know we need bigs, but I think the biggest issue with our team is the lack of creation outside of Damian Lillard. Not CJ. Uh, well, CJ's hurt. So well, you're getting CJ back. You're getting your back. So, you know, you have to, you're not going to make a trade for a, a one to two week 
Still, Give me Austin Rivers, baby. He's out of the he's out of their rotation sure, completely. Sure, Austin Rivers would be great, but I'm saying that you're going to get your creation back when when CJ comes. I do agree with you. The Blazers do need to make some form of a move, and I was thinking about this over the weekend, and we have discussed this. I think every you know four or five episodes, the Blazers ownership and front office continue to ride that fence. They cannot make a decision whether they want to go all in with Dame or whether they want to hit the reset button. They're trying to have their cake and they're trying to eat it too and look no further than what we're doing with Anthony Simons. And I'm not meaning to call out Anthony for his play, anything like that, but he is a classic example because right now we have an open roster spot. We're with, we've been without CJ McCollum for four or five weeks. Damian Lillard is our only ball handler. And we're still saying, yeah, let's use this time to fully develop Anthony Simons when Damian Lillard is going to be 31 at the end of the season and we are fighting for home court advantage. I'm not saying trade Anthony for an over-the-hill aging veteran, but at the same time, what we're trying to do doesn't make any sense either way. Developing Anthony, like when when does that kick in? If it is it going to kick in three years down the road when, when Dame's passed his prime? Are we, I mean, obviously we're hoping it kicks in this year, but that's, that's a pretty sizable gamble. And so I, if, if I'm Dame, I'm kind of like, what are we doing? Like, I, I like the moves we did in the off season, but you know, we're clearly not good enough. Like we need to continue to be aggressive and, and greedy and push forward to get this roster to where it needs to be. And again, I still think they're, the Blazers just feel comfortable they feel safe where they're at right now because of Damian Lillard. And it's just frustrating that and, – and maybe we're waiting until Rodney's able to be traded, which is March 4th, to make a move. But we haven't even used our extra roster spot. Yeah, we have we a, could have brought in a, a 10-day contract. We could have done so many things to help out this team. I mean, God, Harry Giles has been out of the rotation due to injury for two weeks now. We've been playing with one center. I'm at a loss for words. Like there's ways to get around being out of the luxury tax. Like I keep hearing luxury tax, but a 10 day contract is not going to get you into the luxury tax. Like we'll be okay. We're at the point where we're so injured. We could use, get an injury exemption from the league just for some players. Like we're one of the most injury ridden teams right now. And like three players have been out from multiple, multiple games. We could get somebody like Jared Jack, Jeremy Lin, somebody that is a vet that can help ride the ship and help, help Anthony. Like just run an offense. Teams know, well, at least teams can look at the Blazers in that second unit. Okay. Who scares you? All right. Let's make this young kid's life hell and just send oodles and oodles of pressure at him. Makes make him prove himself. So if we had a vet that could just break down the defense a little bit, nothing special, just someone that deserves to be on the court. I think it would have helped. It would have helped in this last four games, but it would have helped Anthony Simons develop some some more confidence out there in that second unit. It all rides on him to create everything, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a a twenty one year old man. Absolutely. And then I, I think that the last player that, that I would touch on that had a really um, rough week and somebody that 
needs to step up on the offensive end if we're going to go into the all-star break strong is Robert Covington. I mean, he's been non-existent on the offensive end after showing some, some signs of coming back to life uh, for his percentages, especially from downtown. But over the last three games, it's been pretty rough. Uh, three of 17 from the field, which included two of 11 from downtown. He scored 10 total points in three games, including a goose egg against the Denver Nuggets, a game that we lost by five points. Uh, Sage, we we just need more from Rocco. Some games it looks like he's fitting in and he's putting the ball on the floor. Other games he's taking, you know, 35-foot pull-up threes against the Lakers. And it's like, I don't know if he's still trying to fit in, but it, it has to happen pretty quick because we are getting into the second half of, of the season. Um after the after next week, like we, oh. we need more for Robert. Like I know he's playing good defense, but at the same time, you can't have your starting power forward score 10 points in three games. That, that I, just I can't happen. I, I want to see what he does with CJ McCollum. I, I think most of the problems with our offense is due to the lack of creation. So if he if he struggles this much with two playmakers, because right now we only have one, and that's there's going to be minutes where he has to create some of the offense himself. And I bet that's when he starts struggling the most is when that, that bit of responsibility goes on him to create when he wasn't brought in there to create, he has never been a creator. So I, I would like to see what happens when it's 48 minutes of Damon CJ on the floor. And then he gets to play with, with one of them for his entire rotation instead of like, like the, the young boys where he has to be like a, a vet. I, th- I think that he has the potential to do a lot of great things for this team, but there's just been so many injuries and so many players that like, they haven't had a good amount of rotation minutes with anybody. Like the new starting lineup has played the most minutes together. And then it's just the, the start, the two starting lineups have been the, the, the most healthy. Then it's just a bunch of, 30 minutes together, 27 minutes together, 15 minutes together. So I would like to see what happens when CJ and Dame can play 48 minutes and Robert can be the secondary creator if he has to be. Like, I, I still trust that he's going to have a good, uh, he's going to normalize to what he n- normally is as a player. And he is providing us something that we need really bad in that, that leader defensively. It just Port- we need some Portland more. Has, Port- Portland has played 32 games. How many do you think he scored in double digits this year? Probably like five. Seven. So less than less than 25% of the games. I agree. But do you need 10? Do you need that yes, number of you, 10? you need absolutely he's a starting player in this league. He's playing 30 minutes a night. You just have to score. I'm not asking him to score 15 points a night. Like we got more for, more production from Aminu, um, and I know he's a better defender than Aminu. But but again, we we just need more. Uh, you can't have your starting power forward score 10 points in three games. Um, and, and again, it does. It comes down to the offensive system of Terry Stotts, where it's like, okay, everybody spread out on the floor, and Dame, if if you can't do it all, then uh, you know just pass the ball around and somebody's going to hold play. Uh, I don't think we play winning basketball. But do you basketball. think that we team. have put Robert Covington in a good position offensively much? 
I would say it hasn't been as good as it should, but there are other, like Derek Jones Jr. is starting to find his groove a bit. And I think some of his numbers could be enhanced if we looked for him more. Like we miss him quite a bit on cuts, but you can still see him being active a bit. My, my, I guess my main qualm with Rocco has just been his mentality on the offensive end of the floor. Sometimes he's running and gunning. And like, those are the shots that are dropping. Other times, even when he's wide open, I'm still seeing him like hesitate. And I, I, I don't know what's, what's going on there because, you know, of all coaches to play for, you want to play for Terry Stotts. He is the ultimate green light. And then other times he has the green light where it's like, what do you do? Don't take that shot. Like he has too high of a basketball intelligence to be hesitating on open shots and hoisting up contested shots. So again, he's here. He's not going anywhere. We we need him, but he needs to play better. And hopefully you're right. CJ gets there. Nurk gets there. There's more opportunities to get the, the, the defensive uh, opposition on, on their, on their heels, just like the Houston Rockets did with, with Harden and Westbrook. And they were able to get their shooters open shots. Um, I mean, because Rocco is a good three point shooter. We, we just, we just need more production. Like, this is not just a Robert Covington, you know, rant. This is a everybody else better. You can say the same thing about Damian Lillard. You can say the same thing about Gary Trent. Needs to get better. Robert Covington, Mello, Derek, Anthony, Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's a really big abuser of that. Um, uh, Nasir, C.J. Ellerby. Did you know that per minute on the floor, Robert Covington produces more than Gary Trent Jr. In all Points per st- game? No, no, no. All statistics. I could see that. Because yeah. because Gary right now, and what I suspect will be for his entire career is that he's going to be scoring and defensively, like defensive stats oriented. That's where he's going to make his most production. But Robert at least gets rebounds and can get assists and produces more statistics in the minutes that he's in. It's just the scoring isn't as, you know, as good as we would like. I and think again, I'm not, I'm not asking like, for 20 points. That, like that, that's, I'm not, I, bet I don't feel like I'm being game. unrealistic. I, I, but like when we're, when we're running at all cylinders, which is so rare and I shouldn't bring this up, but like, do you want him to take this many? Like, I think one in his, in the role where we're as healthy as we'll ever be, Robert's going to be, there's going to be games where he's huge. And then there's going to be games where he doesn't really produce much because he doesn't get the ball because he'll be the fifth or fourth option. I mean, honestly, every time you, you pose the question like that. Yeah. W- when we are all healthy and clicking, I do want him taking shots because that means teams are collapsing on Damon CJ and he's wide open. I mean, yeah, that's taking Joe Harris. That, that's, shots. Yeah. That's been the entire crux of the blazer offense throughout the years, especially in the playoffs is, Oh God, Damon CJ are getting all of the, the attention. And now it whether we win or lose is dependent on Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino. I mean, that's that's the Terry Stotts. Offense. Well, that's how defenses want like most defenses want your worst shooters to shoot as much as exactly. Possible. And so we brought in Covington for uh, as a three and D. The D's been good. I just need a little bit more three. Like again, I need to see it with CJ. Like I know that as a two-man. Dame and Rocco are really good together, but I would really need to see. I'm running a queue. 
I want to see how many minutes Robert Covington, CJ McCollum, and Dame have played together. It's 280 minutes, 580 possessions. So it's not that much that those three have been on the court together. I want to see more time with those three on the court together specifically so we can see what Robert Covington can produce in that time. It's just not it's not enough time. It, injuries and have really, really screwed up the Blazers. I need to see more time with Robert and the the two superstars. I'm not anti-Robert either. I'm I know just, you're not. We're a realistic podcast, and everybody played pretty bad this three-game stretch. We just we need a little bit more, uh, and that's what it's going to come to. Um, and my next point is why we need more Sage. To you, does it look like Damian Lillard is just tired? Like I don't know. I think if he's hurt. Have, I mean, clearly he's dinged up. Um, he stepped on. He got when he hit a three against the Lakers. He stepped Damn on. Lord I think. Tucker. Horton Tucker's ankle. Um, I feel like every third or fourth game he's falling or getting landing on something awkwardly and he's having to shake it off. I, I definitely think he's banged up. You know, I, I I think this is just the same story we're seeing year after year with game, especially lately with these injuries. Um, is he goes he's- on these tears, but then like sooner or later, you gotta go to the gas station and get get replenished. LeBron's got AD to fill fill him up. Uh, you know, Harden had Chris Paul or Westbrook. Now he's got KD and Kyrie. Steph had Clay at a point in time. Dame's got nobody. I mean, Dame, Giannis has Chris Middleton and Drew. Like, yeah, like Dame, right now Dame has nobody. Uh, he didn't have Nurk all of last year, and now he lost DJ and Nurk this year. So I am, I'm not panicked. But I also don't want to wear Dame out, not only for this year. And I think Steve Kerr made a really good comment a couple of weeks ago when talking about, are you going to overexert Steph Curry to try to win games? And he's bluntly said no. Like that we we in so many words, we know this year isn't our year. Clay Thompson is out, and we're not. We we see Steph as having a very lengthy career that is not even close to being over. So we're not going to push it this year. We're going to. Do what we can, but we're taking a long-term approach. And maybe you can do that when you've won three three championships and he's got two MVPs in his bag. That makes it a lot easier to swallow. But I do think it lengthens the, the lifespan of Dame's NBA career. So for the most part, he has been really good with his minutes this year. They've been lower than they have been in a while. That Lakers, that Lakers game and, and the, that Lakers game worried me. 42 minutes and it was nearly no rest in the second uh, in the second half. Uh, we saw the same thing against the Wizards where he only got about two minutes and 45 seconds of rest and that started at the end of the, the third quarter. The rotations may need to get fixed. I know Terry probably won't. He loves playing them all of the first, all of the third. I think maybe you could give him a little bit more of a break towards the end of the first, towards the end of the third in that way. You can just, you don't have to go on these eight to nine minute just spells consecutively without Dame. Like the game inherently stops at each quarter. I mean, just the momentum stops. You have to kind of start all over again. But when Dame's out, he's out for, the only way you're stopping momentum is with multiple timeouts. But by that point, it's for somewhere, for whatever reason, it just feels like the end of quarters is a pretty good break and everyone is uh, accustomed to it. They know what's coming. But when we have Dame out, it's just 
all the way from the second quarter to whenever he wants to put him in and all the way in the fourth quarter to whenever he wants to put him in. So I'm glad we have the all-star break coming up. Dame is doing the three-point shootout and is, is a, was named an all-star reserve. So hopefully he finds time. And he is a father of three, three, three toddlers. So uh, you, you know, life in the Lillard household is, I mean, he's living that dad life. So I, I just hope he can get some rest. I hope when CJ comes back that it's, you know, CJ can start to become that dominant player that he was again. And Dame can kind of just pace himself. Like I think the Blazers have to be really smart if they want to make a good push in the postseason. Like we're not going to get a top three seed. We're going to have to fight our way probably without home court advantage. But you know what? We're a pretty fucking good team if we're healthy and we're rested. We we saw how the Blazers had to exert so much energy mentally and physically last year, especially in the bubble, just to make the playoffs. They had to go even beat the Grizzlies in the playoff game. That they they had enough in the tank to beat the Lakers one time, and really it, it was it was blouses. It was uh, after, after that, yeah. that. It was GGS. Yeah. So Portland ran out of gas. We, we've seen them run out of gas against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Just to you know, the Blazers are notorious for having these kicks at the end of seasons where they just go on their sprints and they're they're running through the, t- the tape, the finish line strong. I don't know if we'll be able to afford that luxury this year, but it's something to, to think about where, okay, if do we play the next night, you know, is this game really out of hand? Maybe pull Dame a little bit earlier, like really monitor his minutes because he just looks tired. And Sage, we saw, even against the Lakers, he was able to move, but he was still hurt. When he wasn't at full strength, we had no chance at producing any sort of offense against the Lakers, even without AD. He played the entire second half, except for 46 seconds at the end of the game when we finally waved the white flag. And the game wasn't even that close going into the fourth quarter. Robert Covington and Damian Lillard basically played the entire second half with 46 seconds of rest at the end of the game when we were... People give Tom Thibodeau Tons and tons of tons of shit for playing his guys big minutes in competitive games. We played Damian Lillard and Robert Covington, uh, Tom Thibodeau minutes in a non-competitive game. That is worse than the Knicks being in a game and saying, we got to run uh, Julius and uh, and RJ major minutes. This is a competitive game. We got to do it. Terry Stotts in this game. I think everybody knows that we weren't going to win and we played Damian Lillard 23 straight minutes in a losing effort after he just got hurt by that that foul by uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. I've been trying to be very cool with Terry Stotts, but that point, that part was so irresponsible for the future of this, 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 this season, because if he, has some trouble if with he his, gets hurt it, it's it's over. Oh, we have to tank for jonathan kaminga like you you hit the tank button you pray to god you miss the playoffs and keep your lottery pick if dane gets hurt yeah like that that is worst case scenario so you have to protect your the franchise. most important investment that's the most important investment in our in, in the blazer's future is damian lillard's health be be careful with that investment like it's like top shot you don't buy at the top of the market for everything, and then you realize you can't sell because it's at the apex of the market. 
you wait until it's down and buy it in a bear market. So like, I think that that was entirely irresponsible by Terry Stotts for playing him in a losing effort after all of those reasons. Like, and I know, I know Terry Stotts plays his guys more than his, the, the minute limit. If you see a minute limit for a player and he's on the trailblazers, that, that man's going past it every time. Even if it isn't a competitive game, Terry Stotts plays his guys like Nick Nurse and uh, Tom Thibodeau. So we, there hasn't been a whole lot of positive things that, that came from the week. I, I think the best thing that really happened was it's over. It's done with, we, we can move forward and hopefully learn from, from our mistakes, take better shots, really value the possession. Value our rotation we, minutes value our rotation minutes and protect the franchise because right now the Blazers aren't going to go far. If we continue to be last in the league in assists, like we, we need our creators back. We need a little bit more ball movement. God, we need to find Eric Jones jr. On the baseline, please. And thank you. He is, he's there. The, the teams, they'll, they'll let him go. Uh, he Did got you see twice in a row against Phoenix. Did you see how many minutes uh, Anthony Simons played in that Lakers game? Played five minutes. If you're trying to, sorry, develop. If you're trying to develop talent, and you're playing the person, and the person that's probably most important to develop plays five minutes in an in a game where we were getting our ass kicks, shame on you. That's what I'm saying. We're trying to eat our cake. We're trying to have our cake and eat it too. Like Simon's is the guy we have. Play him. <laughs> if not, then we're really doing nobody any favors. So you're not even getting the, those development minutes from him, but we did get some news this week, Sage. The second half of the schedule released and it does not treat the Blazers very kindly at all. In fact, I would say it doesn't treat the other 2019 yeah, very kindly at all. Well. It is incredibly difficult. So some of the breakdowns from um, my guy, Casey Holdall, who I actually ran into today while going out for a walk near Columbia Park. So shout out to Casey uh, and and uh, and his dogs that he was walking with. But Casey has the breakdown. 37 games in 67 days. That is more than one every other day. Uh, 10 back-to-backs in an absolute six-game sprint against the West Best to end the season. That stretch includes home games, Lakers, Spurs, Rockets, on the road, Jazz, Suns, and then you finish at home against the Nuggets. Absolutely brutal. Um, I did my own uh, math as well. So given the uh, condensed (laughs) 72-game schedule, Western Conference teams are only playing each other three times this year. And I I don't think it treated Portland very kindly as well. So just doing some math, uh, the Utah Jazz, we have to play them two on the road, got them one at home. The Clippers twice on the road, the Lakers twice on the road, the Suns twice on the road, and the Warriors twice on the road. The only team we really um, don't have to see on the road more than we see them at home that is in the the playoffs with us are the Spurs and the Nuggets. So Portland kind of got the short end of the stick there. Of course, you don't know how good teams are going to play um, in the preseason, like Utah surprising everyone. But other than that, I mean, you kind of do – you kind of looked at it and be like, okay, you know the Clippers and Lakers are going to be up there. 
Phoenix got Chris Paul. They're going to be tough. Uh, Golden State's always tough with Steph Curry, as we saw. So it, it's going to be tough, Sage. And the reason I want Portland to monitor Dame's minutes, the reason I just want to get healthy and just play consistent basketball is I don't think any team is really going to make a second half push. You're going to see a lot of tired, a lot of sloppy basketball across the association, given so many back-to-backs, given so many, uh, the the amount of games that they're trying to pack into um, 65, 70 days is is borderline uh, negligent. And I think you might see some injuries as well. So that's why I want to kind of monitor the minutes if Portland can just stay in one of the top six seeds, I think you just kind of have to take it and chalk it up as the the pandemic year. Like you look at our schedule, clearly it was first half light and we, we didn't do a good enough job of, of beating, beating up on the teams we needed to beat up on. I mean, you look at what would have happened. CJ and Nurk did go down. So you'll take 18 and 14 right now, but. Portland just has a little bit of bad luck and now we're going to have to go up against a murderer's row of a second half schedule. And so it's going to be more of the same. Can we just stay afloat and we're going to have to stay afloat with our full healthy roster. So I think there is a lot of opportunity for the Blazers to almost have another bubble like experience where, okay, we need, these are playoff type games. We've got our full squad. We're going to get tested Sage. We're going to be playing a lot of, um, conference semifinalists, conference finalists, NBA finals type of teams over this next, you know, two plus months. If we're not, I mean, there's no other way to get geared up for the playoffs than, than this gauntlet that we're going to have to run. So in a way, we'll know how we're going to perform in the playoffs before we even get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a murderer's row for us. We, ca- we uh, kind of had a lighter schedule. Now it's where we get punished for it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's you, you wrapped that up really well. Yeah. And there's just a lot of back-to-backs and, you know, as we we've seen Portland did really well against the Sacramento Kings, they, they won both. Uh, we could have had, you know, we probably should have had two against the Warriors, but you know, we were only able to split. And when you go up against a generational talent, even though they are injured this year, he was able to go off and he won a game for them single-handedly. And that only happens in that back-to-back scenario. Um, I think really, and this is projecting, but once we talk in two weeks and we preview the second half of the schedule, there is going to be two games that is going to tell me all I need to know about the Portland Trailblazers. And it's the the Minnesota Timberwolves. We get them Saturday and Sunday in Minnesota back to back. You're looking at the worst team in the Western Conference. You, you can't D-Lo. drop a game to them. Without D'Lo yeah, and without you, Malik, probably. Yeah, you just cannot drop a game. You have to win both. And how are we looking um, doing so? So one thing I also like to look at when I look at the standings is, is what what is our net? And Portland, we're hanging on by a thread. Right now, we give up one more point per game than we score. Um, look at the Jazz. They are Their difference is almost 10. The Lakers are at – Lakers, Clippers, and Suns are all around six. We're minus one. So – that kind of shows you the dominance of, of each team. And again, we've, we've been shorthanded, but, you know, usually you want to have a, a really positive net because it means you've been dominant. Otherwise it's like, okay, you're winning 50, 50 games. And thankfully we have the best closer in the game and why we've won those 50, 50 games 
is because of Damian Lillard. But uh, moving on to our, we do have a fan question and it comes from the Busted Bucket podcast. It says, what is the one thing you are looking forward to most in the second half of the season? CJ McCollum returning and playing at 36 minutes per game. I mean, like, I think I've been very creator heavy this episode, but I think that that is the thing that we're missing. So I think CJ McCollum returning and playing at a level uh, that's very high is the thing that I'm looking forward to the most. And then for me, it's going to be health, health and production. Um, I've said this many a time, said it on the pre the preseason preview episode. This is the last year for, for this core if, if they can't get it done, in my opinion. Um, can Yusuf Nurkic stay healthy? Can he produce like he did in the bubble? Um, because he is going to be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2022. How does this unit look as you know we, we brought them in? Dame, CJ, DJ, or Gary Trent Jr., Cove, and Nurk. How can those five to six guys play together? Yes, you're only getting half of a season, but in a way, maybe packing a lot of games into a condensed amount of days will almost force the team to mm. learn how to play with one another. And I want to see how they look. Can you can you have self-awareness and say, okay, I think this team, we can give them one more year. They've showed me enough. Or are they going to stub their toe again and it's – another first round exit and maybe somebody else gets hurt. And then you're really facing a lot of uncomfortable decisions going into the off season. I would really like to know where we stand. That's, that's, that's really what I'm looking for out of the second half of the season is how does this team play? Because if we're not at a high level, if we're not maybe one piece away from with the current roster, if, if it looks like we're multiple or even a huge piece away, then I think you have to start keeping Dame and then breaking down around it and adding from other pieces and, and just mm. completely retooling, whether that's, you know, a new GM, a new coach, new co-stars, whatever. That just opens up a big can of worms if you don't produce. I want to see how this team produces. You know, we haven't seen a healthy Blazers roster since Yusuf Nurkic went down damn near two years ago. So it's been a, a really long time. How can we, how can we look like we're going to get an opportunity We're we're going to get a show. What type of show are they going to put on? I am, I'm, I, I can't wait to see. Um, but before we get to see that, before we even get to the all-star break, we do have three games up on this, this current slate of games to close out the, the first half of the season. Sage, we both went one and two last week. We are now at 16 and 16 on the season with our predictions. We're going to try to add to that uh, right now. So Portland has three home games uh, Monday, which is tomorrow. We are recording, as always, on Sunday nights. It is a 7.30 tip against LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets. And then back-to-back Wednesday and Thursday against the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings. Sage, let's kick it off with, uh, I would say, a pretty surprising Charlotte team, uh, 15 and 17. They would be in the play-in tournament if the season ended today pretty decent on the road six and nine for uh, a young roster and they've had some pretty impressive performances this year yeah um some pretty pretty some pretty impressive injuries too Devonte graham is out cody zeller the better zeller so it's been a kind of weird rotations with them uh bismack biombo has been starting 
Uh, he was really shitty two day, two games ago. I don't know how he did tonight, but the rotations are very small because uh, PJ Washington's the direct backup at the five. He starts at the four and then will become the starting five when Biz goes out. Um, with Devontae Graham out, uh, Zoe starts, and that, that's that's best for the team. I think that's the move that they should go with all the time. Gordon Hayward is also doubtful with a hand injury. He did not play tonight against Sacramento, which they 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 beat. They had a crazy comeback. They beat the Kings by one tonight in Sacramento. So they are on. We will get them on the second night of a back-to-back. How's How did Biz do? 20 minutes, two of three from the field, minus 10 in the plus-minus, six points, four rebounds, nothing else. Yeah, well, uh, I think I had 20% of him in DFS, so... That's why I probably lost money. Um, Rashawn Holmes ate him alive. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of those things with uh, Bismack Biombo. If you play DFS for long enough, you're either going to have the apex of great games or absolutely nothing. So <clears throat> I guess he provided absolutely nothing the last two starts. But So they run really small with PJ at the backup five, which I think is a good thing for us, except... I don't know how en- how Ennis would do against him, so I think Robert Covington gets the honor of defending P.J. Washington for most of the game. Uh, in the games that I've watched, they've done a really interesting thing with pick-and-roll defense. They collapse extraordinarily hard on the, the, the pick-and-roll, so it leaves the corner shooters and the wing shooters completely open. Like They really just want to stop that initial read with the pick-and-roll. So if Dame can do his thing and find open shooters. And if they can hit, this is going to be a pretty, pretty easy victory. Um, that, 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 uh, that pick and roll defense has stopped guys like Trey young for one game. And then the next game, Trey young takes advantage of their weird philosophies with the pick and roll defense. So that's going to be a, I think that'll be a big factor is how Dame is able to uh, take advantage of their weird pick and roll defense. Former Blazers assistant coach Jay Triano is also on the bench for the Charlotte Hornets. So he probably has a good idea of what the Blazers want to do on the offense and defensive ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. So something to keep in mind. What's your X factor and what's your prediction, Sage? Pick and roll defense for uh, for taking advantage of the Charlotte Hornets pick and roll defense. And then I think if we're looking at a player, I think Robert Covington has a big game. I don't... I, if if he doesn't have a big game and big game by being on the floor for 34 minutes to guard PJ Washington, I think that we are going to lose this game. So if Robert isn't contributing, it doesn't look good because PJ Washington could score and do all the things that you want to power forward in 2021 to do. So if we can make life difficult for him, it'd be tough. Um, obviously the mellow ball is the, be- the rookie of the year and looks fantastic. Um, but I, Who would I think you have defending him probably DJ. Yeah, I would agree with that. DJ did a great job defending Chris Paul. Uh, so I misspoke. ESPN hadn't updated. The Hornets are now 16 and 17, eighth in the Eastern Conference. And good God, that is bunched up. They are they are two wins away from home court advantage in the East. So in the East, anything is the, possible. They want to win this game. Absolutely, they want, want to win. To. Of course, yeah. they do. I would be surprised if Gordon Hayward plays. Mm. Uh, they are again. We mentioned why, why rush him back. He's dealt with so many injuries. I 
my X factor is going to be Ennis Kander. Seeing the numbers that Rashawn Holmes was able to do against Bismack Biombo, uh, Kander hasn't been finishing around the rim as um, effectively and efficiently as he was early in the season, and that's another reason why we were able to put up a lot of points um, over these past three games. So I look for Ennis to really clean up a lot of messes for us and just shore up that paint. Um, I think the Blazers win. I think they have to win. Uh, you've had you've had four of the last five days off. Uh, you played the Lakers on Friday, but you really have had you know you had two game two days off in between that game, and then you had two games off after that game. So you've you, you've had quite a bit of rest. I hope we come back a little bit pissed off. Um, I know we're all tired. I know we all want the All Star break, but this stretch of games will show a lot um, about the team. Uh, we we need to finish because Sage. 21 and 14 sounds a lot better than, than 18 and 17. And, and that's what's at stake here. So I think the Blazers know they have to win. I think they will win. Um, but moving forward to the game that I'm most anticipating is the Blazers versus the Golden State Warriors. And I, I think the matchup we all want to watch, it's going to be Dame and Steph Curry. They, they both are completely different on the offensive end of the floor but so deadly and they have so much gravity that you can't help but watch them when they are doing their thing because both, I think top three or top four in scoring, they have almost identical numbers. Curry's the more efficient shooter. Dame's had the more highlight memorable moments to close out games. Curry put 62 on our heads. We're one and one in the regular season. Um, I want to see if Dame remembers that I, I need to see a 50 point game game. Um, that, that that would be incredible. So that that's the matchup. I mean, if we're talking X Factor stage, it's Dame Steph. I I, I want to see that. Aside from that, what else are you looking for? Draymond's health. He hurt his ankle in the game today. Um, and they got absolutely smashed waxed by yeah. the Lakers. They got smashed. So with the with the Warriors, they've dealt with a lot of injuries in the interior. So Kevon Looney and James Wiseman have all missed time. So. Dre's played a lot of the five and that him playing at the five, once he was healed up from his injuries, he's put up some really, really fantastic numbers. So I want to know what his health status is for this game. Cause I don't know if you want to rush him back with three games or two games left until the all-star break. It might be, it might behoove them for the, the long run to, to rest Draymond in this game. And if Draymond's not there, I think we have to just essentially play four, uh, box and one on Curry and not let him beat us. Because he he absolutely has the potential to drop 60 real points on us because he has. So if, if Draymond's out, I, I think we got to just focus all of our defensive energy on Steph. If he's in, Dre's been really a fantastic playmaker. And it, it did allows... he just recently have a 19 assist performance? Yeah, he had a 19 assist performance against Minnesota. He's been he's been killing it this year. So when he's fully healthy. When he is fully healthy, he's been really good. It's a shame that he can't score like he used to, but he can sure pass his ass off. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think you make others beat you, not named Steph Curry. If Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are hitting, that's just what it has to be. This man already put up 62 on us. You can't let that happen again. Um, I, I think Dame Dame's going to be ready. We only get the Warriors once this year at home. 
Uh, I think the Blazers win. I think it's a, a big, big game night. What do you say, Sage? I think it's going to be, I think that both those guards are going to show out. I think both teams really kind of need those guards to be uh, ready and willing to fire against the opposing team. So I think that those two will put up a lot of numbers. And then it might be like Gary Trent having to outplay Kelly Oubre or something. Like, I, I expect those two stars to perform. So maybe maybe having a Robert Covington game or a DJJ game or a Ennis or a Gary uh, also contributing to the, uh, to the points. But it's, it's all about Dame and Steph. Uh, I think that the Blazers win the first two games of this week. So uh, it's the, the Kings are the last game before the All-Star break, right? Yes, and so the Warriors game is incredibly important because, again, we are just two games ahead of them in the loss column, and you you want to stay in that top six. The Kings, oh, the fastest Kings. team in the league. They Worst are defense. thirteen and twenty-one, one and nine in their last ten. Surprisingly, not terrible on the road, six and nine. But good God, they give up one hundred and twenty points mm-hmm. per night. We've already played this team uh, twice this year. Uh, we there was again another back to back. No, it wasn't. It was at Sacramento. We came home for Toronto, then had yep. to go back to Sacramento. So essentially, a back to back. Beat them by twenty six, one twenty five to ninety nine, all the way back on January eleventh, and then we had multiple, I think, fifteen point comebacks to ultimately beat them, one thirty two to one twenty six on January thirteenth. Uh, yes, the Kings love to run and gun. They love to put that three ball up in the air. De'Aaron Fox is having a strong season, but Sage, it really comes down to, I think Buddy Heald is the defensive X factor. If you can keep him quiet, it seems like they might not have enough firepower uh, to to keep up with Portland. What do you think? I think it might be Tyrese Halliburton that is the uh, X factor because he, he has the ball in his hands more and is just as good of a shooter, but it's like the most important person to defend on the court is the person with the ball. I think Buddy Heald does most of his off the catch and shoot. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries and uh, health and safety violations with uh, uh, Hassan Whiteside and uh, I think Rashawn Holmes and uh, Bagley. Have Ty- get- Tyrese was out um against the Hornets today he He has a calf and those calf injuries as we've seen with Harry Giles linger so he may not even play so yeah I mean those that's the option so uh I I think that if he doesn't play it gets a lot easier but again this these these two teams really don't care about defense and it's a pace-up matchup I think that Dame knows the importance of this game so I think he'll come out focused there won't be a you know Sixers and uh, 16 type of letdown um this, this the Kings team really doesn't care about defense. So if we can just play a little, it do a lot. Um, I I just think we're a more talented uh, team than this Kings, and if we can just show up in that night and prove it and match their energy, which I think was a problem that second game, is that we didn't match their energy to start and had to fight back. So if we can just match that energy to start, it'll be a wire to wire victory, and it'll be a three and a uh, week for us. So Dame got 40 against the Kings in that last uh, comeback. Gary had 16 off the bench. It's strange because we had Dame, or we had CJ and Nurk for both of those games. So it's 
kind of it's a different team. To, yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to remember what life was like with those two uh, producing on on a nightly basis. But again, I think you have the best leader in sports. I think Dame is the type of player that knows we need to get across the finish line, especially if you've won the first two games. For me, obviously, Dame's always the, the X factor, but I think at, at some point during the week, we're going to have to get a Carmelo Anthony performance, and it seems like he can do some work against some smaller uh, Kings defenders. So Melo's going to be my X factor against the Kings. I think the Blazers win. I think they go 3-0. I think they have to go 3-0. I, I don't think there's this this 2-1. 2-1 doesn't even cut it. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But just seeing how difficult that second half is going to be. These easy see, ones are more important. Yeah. I mean, we saw what happened. Losing to the Wizards turned, you know, a uh, three-game losing. You know, you, you could feel a little bit better. Okay, we went on the road. We lost three straight. But, like, losing that game going into that road trip, I think, put the Blazers in just a really tough spot. Um, if you win these three, you go into the All-Star break feeling well. And you really can start to believe, okay, this is this is where we feel like we're going to make our move. Again, 21 and 14 sounds a lot better than 18 and 17. And we've talked about this all episode. You want to stay in the top six. You keep winning. You'll not only be in the top six, but you'll move up. I mean, San Antonio's got a ton more games to make up. So just by... The COVID and the weather, bro. Yeah, just by the sure amount of games they have to play, they're going to drop some. So you'll move ahead of the Spurs. Four or five with a chance to play the Jazz in the second round. That's a dream. So take care of your shit, and we'll be sitting pretty come come playoff time. So I got the Blazers winning. Uh, I think that wraps up the week. Sage, you want to uh, bring this podcast on home? Robert Covington's in the skills, and then Aaron is in the uh, slam dunk, and then Dame's in the three point, and then the All Star itself. I mean, I'll watch the All-Star game. That'll be fun. The Saturday night's going to be really weird with no fans in attendance. Um, how are they going to get Ant- hyped for the dunk contest? Like, it, half of that, the dunk contest and its specialness is like the crowd reactions and the 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 the, the dunkers kind of being the MC of the, the, the show and during their dunks. It's like, you're going to be the MC. Who, you can't move the crowd if there is no crowd. It's going to be tough. Maybe it'll be easier, though. Not as much uh, pressure. I'm looking forward to see what Anthony can do. I don't think a Blazer has ever won the dunk or the three-point contest. Well, Ter- didn't Jim Rome have to go against MJ twice? So that, that was a... He said Jim Rome. Jerome. I'm like... <laughs> no, the white, the white sports broadcaster that's kind of a dick. Jerome made the finals one time in the late 80s. Terry Porter lost to... Chicago's Craig Hodges in 91. Uh, that year, we had three participants, Ainge and Drexler, and, and the, the All-Star game was held in Charlotte. Uh, but we haven't really came close to either. I think, like, James Robinson was in the dunk contest in the mid-'90s. We saw Rudy. Um, and didn't Pat Connaughton go in there, too? Yeah. Was, was he, he a buck? He might have been a buck. I feel like there was another Blazer player. Billy Ray Bates, right? I don't think he was in the dunk contest. But he could fly. Either way, the Blazers have never had a dunk champ or a three-point champ. So it would be cool to to get that. Dame did win. Dame was in the dunk contest, duh, yeah. but he didn't yeah, win. It was that weird one, though, where... Yeah, he was teamed the, up with somebody. Yeah, Paul George, I think, or something. 
he did win the skills challenge. So we we have a skills challenge. But that's winner, not as so cool as the dunk contest. It's not. So you know, hopefully Roko does well and Ant does well and Dame does well. It's a blazer sweep, and then Dame wins MVP on, on Sunday. That would be pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'll watch it. I'm not. Uh, it, it it it's it's because Dame's there. I'm kind of forced to watch it, but. I could use a I could use a basketball break for a little while too. Um, oh, you'll get it. There's no basketball for a while. I know. And dude, can you imagine every team's best player goes to a single city to do a meaningless game and some meaningless stats, and then comes back to their teams? You know, we're gonna see a lot of value two weeks from now in daily fantasy when LeBron and all of those guys. You know, it doesn't need to happen. Damn it! This is the one time where it can be virtual and understanding. I could understand yep. it completely. I agree. It is what it is. Where is it even in? Atlanta. Oh, never mind. Uh, that's a that's a cool city to. But yes, I don't I don't know if it needs to happen, but I I will watch because Dame's there and Rocco and Ant. God damn! I hope Ant gets some confidence from this. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing I'm most nervous about. All right, how are you looking there, buddy? Do you remember that you like to dunk? But yeah, all right, ma'am. Uh, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio. Leave a nice review and uh, five star us on iTunes, and we will be back. Next next week to talk about these three games and the potential all-star game. So uh, be good and uh, we'll be back soon. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.